Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Rylan Turner here for uh, Wednesday Night Wallops, uh, I guess, all-out post-show or, or after-show or whatever. It's it's Tuesday, so it's been it's been quite some time since, since all-out. But it was an event that happened this weekend, and uh, we're covering it for the network. Uh, Kyle Joseph is no... Is, uh, is not able to to be here this evening uh, due to him having a, a fantastic weekend, uh, which I'm gonna I'm just gonna bug him about on the next episode of Wednesday Night Wall. But um, we do have uh, a very very suitable replacement. You might remember him from last week's edition of uh, Wednesday Night Wallop, which dropped ironically today. Uh, Jack London, Chef Jack, I'm back. I'm back. Thank you. And this, look, if there's got to be a show to come back to talk about, whew, this is the one. Yes, certainly, certainly. Uh, one of AEW's four pay-per-views, or I guess this year, five pay-per-views of the year. So obviously there's a lot to get into, but nor like wrestling-wise, there's a lot to get into. But uh, then there's also a lot to get into after the show. So we'll get into that as uh, later later on. In this uh, in this episode, uh, but let's start with it, Jack. Uh, you saw this this pay per view differently than most people. You went to the movie theater to see this. Yeah, so actually, all of the AEW pay per views uh, that I've gotten a chance to go to has been in theater, which is a, it's a completely different experience. Like you think about the theater, as you know, everybody's telling you to be quiet and all of that. No, the lights are on, wrestling fans in there cheering, clapping, high-fiving, having a great time, walking out of there at 1 o'clock in the morning, stumbling to the car. So, yeah, yeah man. I, so if anybody has any opportunity to check that out, you definitely should do it. It's a nice nice time amongst us wrestling fans, us hardcores as we call them. Uh, I definitely did that a few times as a kid for WWE pay-per-views. Uh, the I, I can't remember who, which theater did it in Winnipeg, but... Uh, the big one anyway. Yep. Used to host uh, pay-per-views from time to time, or maybe back then it was all the time. I'm not sure, but I, I went to a couple of them, and it was uh, it was an experience, that's for sure. Always a lot of fun. Always oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, the opening match on this card, uh, this is taking place from Chicago, uh, of course. Uh, matches on this card, uh, we had, I think, in total 14, counting the pre-show, and I will touch on the pre-show Briefly, I'll just simply say that uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello defeated Ortiz and Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho apparently uh, may have uh, received an injury to her face during this, mm. so we shall see what comes of that. This was for the AAA World's Mixed Tag Team Championship. Uh, it went about six minutes, and I, I haven't really heard too much about this besides the fact that Ruby Soho looked to be injured. Um, yeah. In the golf cart, somebody, Sammy got ran down with a golf yes, cart. That's right. That's right. I, I, I did forget about that. <laughs> did he get uh, that? <laughs> Hook defeated Angelo Parker for the FTW championship in just under four minutes. Uh, I imagine that was very much so Hook. It, you know what? It was. I, I think the with Action Bronson being ringside, um, you know, so so once Hook wins the match and then now they go to do the deal where they jump on him and Action Bronson came in and got into action. So that was, that was a pretty cool to see Action Bronson come in and try to body slam somebody. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, Pac and Kip Sabian uh, had a match for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Went about 12 and a half minutes roughly. Uh, and apparently Kip Sabian is being controlled by the box he was wearing on his head. 
<laughs> yes, that happened. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those that, that they've been kind of building up. And Kip Sabian spent a lot of time out of the ring. So this was like, you know, the big comeback. And, you know, it was a fantastic match. And and, and Kip is he, he's impressing me with his character work. So, yeah, that that, that was that was something good to see. Uh, then we had Eddie Kingston uh, go against Tomohiro Ishii, and he picked up the victory by pinfall in just about three, 13 and a half minutes. Uh, I've heard this was nothing but chops. So I think you said that you were getting your popcorn at this point. Um, yeah. So you, you didn't miss much but chops and slaps and just, just ground beef, ground beef chest, all yes. that good stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> the opening match on the uh, pay-per-view proper was – uh, the what is it here? What do we got here? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight men, eight man ladder mm. match for the uh, it was the casino ladder match rather. Yes, it was for an opportunity at um the AEW World Championship. Um, and of course there was a Joker as well. Um, so this match was just absolute chaos for a little bit. It started off with. Uh, Penta, or sorry, uh, Ray Phoenix and uh, Wheeler Yuta, and they these guys just uh, went at each other for a, a significant amount of time, or I guess two minutes rather. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Before we we got more entries, which uh, the next one was Roosh, followed by Andrade, then we had Dante Martin, and then Penta. Uh, Claudio came out last after Wheeler Yuta took a ridiculous power bomb off the top Oof. of the ladder to another ladder. Uh, that, I believe it was Ray Phoenix who did that to him. Uh-huh. Uh, Andrade took a destroyer onto a ladder on that was draped on the outside, which looked nasty. Dante Martin. Dante Martin took a, a destroyer as yeah. Penta was on, on the way to the ring. Just all action. <laughs> then he hits a, a um, sorry, a swing, swing, sorry, a switchblade or a switchblade yep. yep. on uh, on Roosh on the outside, and then gets to the rig and, and continues more chaos. This was nuts. Just was nuts. the amount of energy, <laughs> you know, these young high flyers. Like man, we we think about the days of Brian Pillman and and uh, man, the 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 high flyers of today. My God, that's all I could say. <laughs> it was fantastic. I I agree with you, hundred percent. Um. Then the ring filled up with masked men. Yeah, you know what? And, and I got one question before we get to the masked men. So uh, Claudio, he had a spot where I'm still trying to figure out what it was supposed to be. Like they, oh, they had the ladder constructed some type of way, and he attempted to pick it up. Like, number one, can you explain the spot and, and what do you think that was designed to be? Because I was very confused and it was very anticlimactic. Yes, I will agree with you 100%. Uh, I, I did forget about that spot. But yes, uh, that was, that was, I'm not sure, you asked what it was supposed to be. I, I couldn't tell you. Me either. Uh, <laughs> as, as, as a fan and uh, a podcaster watching, trying to review this show, couldn't tell you what that was supposed to be. You're right, anticlimactic as all hell. But uh, I suppose it was a spot is, is yeah. what I got for that one. Um, yeah, it was definitely something different. And uh, this ladder match itself, like, don't get me wrong, like some amazing spots, crazy stuff. But, like, the problem with these matches is we've seen so much of it that I feel like every time yep. we see these guys in there, they feel like they have to elevate it just a little bit more. And sometimes it's just cool to have a great ladder match. Yeah. You don't have to, like, 
kill yourselves in these things. And I feel like it was it was it was good. I've seen better ladder matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we'll get into the ending. Like I said, uh, a bunch of masked men entered the ring and started just going mowing down everybody. Uh, <laughs> one of them in particular then began to climb the ladder and pull down the chip. It was a, a giant uh, poker chip yes. hanging above the ring. Um, and then the man was uh, unmasked. He unmasked himself. To be, and it was revealed to be Stokely Hathaway. And then, of course, <laughs> Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, Colton and Austin Gunn, and W. Morrissey all unmasked themselves as well. And then he pointed to the the, 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 uh, the Titan Tron where the countdown happened and the Joker was revealed. Sympathy for the devil. But yes. the Rolling Stones kicks in. And oh, this yes. guy, dra- draped in a, a devil's mask, comes in and walks down to the ring. And everybody knows who it is. You can tell by his walk. You can tell by the way he got into the ring. You can tell by the, his, his mannerisms in all way, shape, or form. But he was handed the poker chip. It was announced that he was the winner. And then he went to reveal who he was. And then he didn't. And yes. the, rest of the, the rest of them left the ring. And uh, there was that. You know, um, that. That was the most fantastic F you to the audience at that point. Because everybody's like, okay, he won it. He's going to unmask. We're going to see who it is. And no. <laughs> he just walked out. What a heel move. We're like, well, hopefully we get to find out who's under the mask. <laughs> to be continued. I, I think at this point, I mean, I, and I didn't watch this live, so I believe at this point there was rampant speculation who this was. And I won't reveal it until the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a scene. Uh, this match just went about 14 and a half minutes. It was... It's good. It was good. It was a lot. Like I said, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> a lot. And and certainly uh, in these matches, like I said, these guys, I feel like they feel like they need to, you know, kill each other in these matches. And I I feel like we could bring these matches down a peg and still make them interesting. It's especially since this this match, like like if you take into account what what they had planned for for who was going to win the match and how that was gonna go, like. The, the the story wasn't even the match. Like like the story was what happened to finish the match. So a lot of the stuff that happened during the match, although in the moment it was entertaining, the fact that all the people in the ring didn't win. The one person that won was the last person that came out. So all of the creative spots that we love to see happen, but it just didn't have as much meaning to it. Because we know what happened after, which we'll get back to at the end and bring it full circle. The uh, the the second match of the card, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on uh, Hangman Adam Page of the Dark Order, consisting of Alex Reynolds and John Silver for the AEW World Trios Championships, the tournament final for those titles. This is like a match of the year contender. Yes, it was. It it was uh, one of the most beautiful trios matches I've ever seen. Everything was fluid. All the spots were planned. Every time Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page got in the ring together, this crowd went bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Um, When when John Silver uh, made uh, uh, these huge spots like going outside and kicking everybody, (laughs) Randy Cutler and Michael Nakazawa, like he's getting over so huge. And then of course he gets two giant, uh, fall or not false finishes, but, uh, close calls with Kenny Omega and the yep. crowd bid on both of them. Just, yep. This guy was I- incredible. Um, any spots that particularly stood out to you? Yeah. I, I think, 
you know, the, 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 the finishing spot to me was so incredible. Like the way that they did it with the buckshot Larry, him, him hitting John, uh, it wasn't John Silver he hit with it. Who was, who did he hit with it the was, buckshot it was, Larry? Okay. Well, so, yep, yep. Hit him with it. And the fact that right after he hit him with it, they kept, uh, hangman away. So the pin came as a result of a move hangman hit on his friend like it was it was so incredible i mean the match the fans were in it the spots were creative the action didn't low it went and it went and it built like they can do no wrong to me this was a storytelling masterpiece i look and don Callis on the call for the match oh my god don Callis is a national treasure buddy he is <laughs> Winnipeg's yes. <laughs> Um Up next, we had Jade Cargill defending her TBS championship uh, against Athena. Uh, this match went just under about, about four and a half minutes, 420. Um, Jade Cargill comes out with this uh, as She-Hulk, a great entrance. Athena is the same with, with these awesome-looking wings that she had. and her, Of course, her contact lenses that are just great. <laughs> yes. Um, this match was a Jade Cargill match. Like it wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, you know, there, there weren't you know destroyers and and whatever. But like, I, th- I think Athena showed that she's certainly somebody who can contend for this title. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like they should have gotten more than this. Four minutes and twenty seconds. Like that's a really short match. That is that's that's what I said. Like anytime you see they get the special entrances, it's like that that gives it that big fight feel. That gives it the moment. You know, just to see her and Jade standing in the ring across from each other. Like especially us us knowing, you know, what we know about Athena and and what her history is, and to finally see this happen and it to just be treated the way that it was. It was so anticlimactic. Like. um I thought they they deserved more time. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I, I think the right person won. I would have just enjoyed a better, a better, longer match. Maybe a few nice false finishes, but you know, I guess on the show that everybody's always the the, the length is too long. <laughs> like you know, it's some time to figure out could another match have used the time more effectively than they did. Cause by the time it was over, which I love the entrances. I love the, the, the whole, uh, she Hawk entrance. Like they put so much into it and to just do this anticlimactic and, and it's over. And <laughs> it's like, okay, well on to the more important things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, again, for me, this just felt like your standard Jade Cargill match. It felt like it could have happened on, rampage and it would have had just as much impact and um, especially when you think about the amount of time that they spent building this up like over right. time there was so many promos right. and and to just give it that it was yeah you're right it could have just been a regular dynamite match and, and nobody would bat an eyelash uh wardlow and ftr cash wheeler dax hardwood against jay lethal the motor city machine guns chris Sabin and alex shelley they're being accompanied to the ring by satin singh sanjay dutt uh this was this was a really good trios match. This was yeah. uh, lots of great spots. Obviously, the Motor City Machine Guns are are legends uh, in tag team wrestling. FTR, the best tag team going right now, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Wardlow is somebody who I feel like is he's he's on the cusp of being really really a really really great talent. I feel like the the MJF stuff 
kind of hurt him with because mm-hmm. after that big win he he never quite you know got to that next level and especially even even winning the TNT title um it just feels like he he's uh he's not quite there yet but we're, they're they're getting there and of course yeah. Jay Lethal is is one of my favorites of all time so like this match had all the the right parts to be a great match um yeah, any spots stick out to you? It, so, but it, 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 at the same time, it was it was almost as if we put Warlow in this match as opposed to it being a real big organic story. Because the thought that I, the, the thing that I thought that they were going to really follow up on, which that's what they said, was can Warlow do the power bomb sympathy on um uh what 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 Satnam saying so that that's what they mentioned going into it so I thought there was going to be a payoff to that and it didn't happen but I will tell you fight like an eight-year-old girl (laughs) like that (laughs) was so fantastic it just even the way he sold it when uh when it was initially said uh on uh, what was it on rampage the way he sold it and he wanted to fight him. And then now for, for him to come out with that shirt and for the eight year old girl to come out like that, that is just poetic, man. Like to, to me, the, the revival can do no wrong. They are definitely some of the best tag team wrestling I have ever seen. And I love the storytelling and I love the fact that they, they bring you in. They made you want to see somebody fight like an eight year old girl. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're, they're they're again. I feel like they're the best tag team in wrestling right now, and I don't feel like I, I feel and I feel like it's like it's it's by distance too. This yep. isn't this isn't like they're, they're neck like I think right now they've got the cusp of the wrestling business on their back. Uh, I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but regardless, I feel like they're they're on the cusp of doing something really great, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. They're friends with some interesting people that we'll get into later. So you you know uh, what? And and just to just to hit on, on on what you're saying about them, like I think that one of the issues that we're running into is like if if the AEW promotion is meant to tell us that whoever's the AEW tag team champions is the best tag team champion in the world, those men aren't the tag team champions. It's on somebody in a different match. So they have belts from all over the world, but they don't even have the belt in their home promotion, which there's a lot of debate that can go back and forth about who should have that belt. But at the same time, they get belts from everywhere, but not to have the AEW belts. And from a tag team perspective, are we giving more credence to belts from, you know, from from uh, uh, Mexico or belts on TNA or anything? when the AEW champions, tag team champions, are not even the men who have the most belts on them at the time. Like, that, that is something that, that I thought about just just kind of seeing it, seeing it unfold. Like, they should probably be the AEW champions, but they're not. Somebody else is, and they have some different belts. So I just thought about that coming out. Fair enough. Uh, were there any spots in this match that stuck out to you? I, I think my, I mean, uh, the Warlow powerbomb sympathy, man, <laughs> the the symphony is, is always one of those moments when you see him going for it and he gets the first one in and he drops the, he, he, he drops the, the suspenders down. And yeah, that, that was probably my favorite part. It's just, it's so much good tag team wrestling that 
you know, just the fact that they use the uh, uh, use the corners the way they're supposed to, you know, do it to 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 keep you out of the corner that you're supposed to get in. All of that is good classic tag team wrestling stuff. So it's good to see that on a mainstream. To see the Motor City Machine Guns, man, <laughs> they were rolling completely. Like we were getting the best of them. Them and pointing at their hand to tell you that they're from Detroit. I loved it. <laughs> Yes, they they look great. Uh, yep. You'd hardly be able to tell that these are guys in their forties. Like, yep, they they look great. And and that, I find that in wrestling these days, forty is the new thirty. Yes, it, seems it is. To be. <laughs> seems to be. Yeah. Um, up next, Powerhouse Hobbs, one of my favorites against Ricky Starks, yeah. another one of my favorites. Uh, feel like these guys got shortchanged. Big yes, time. they did. Yes, five they did. five minutes. Five minutes. These guys got, and this was a feud that was for me going in one of my favorite feuds that they mm-hmm. they had on this card and I was happy to see them get actually on the main show but I feel like if this would have been on the pre-show they would have got more time yep. so so I, I and Hobbs goes over uh, I I should mention that Wardlow and FTR won the last match as well uh, right. but but Powerhouse Hobbs uh goes over in this match very surprisingly uh Wicked Spinebuster but yes. uh, it felt like Ricky Starks never quite got going in this match. That was the story of this match. He couldn't get past Hobbs' power. And but, that's that's one of those things when you're looking at it, and you're looking at the history because they had a good amount of history going into it. So you're looking at that, and you you want to see all of that be played off of. And like you said, he he never really got out of the gates other than, uh, you know, him coming out. and It started hot. Like a, a, a grudge match like this should start out hot. But just to see it, I mean, Hobbs didn't even have to, to cheat to win. He just, you know, he just outpowered him. He just won. Right. He did. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm I'm a fan of that. I think that Powerhouse Hobbs certainly deserves that. But, like, Ricky Starks is this guy where I feel like he, he's really hot right now. And that promo about a month back where, where Hobbs uh, evidently turned on him, I just, that was a lot of fire for a guy who is taking a five-minute loss to, yep. to his tag partner. Yeah, the following pay-per-view. So I, I don't know. I, I think this might have been a misstep for them. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I mean, and, and this was something that I was looking forward to. And if you listen to the promo, like they did such a great job setting it all up. And I probably would have enjoyed that better on the pre-show if it meant we're going to give them more time. You know, if nothing, we know we got more matches coming from them. But, you know, they, they, they put in the time to tell the story. Let's see the story in the match. Uh, Swerve in Our Glory, Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, uh, up against the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster with Billy Gunn. Uh, I'll say this, the acclaimed rap, I've heard better. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like there was a lot, a lot that they could have gone after about these two. They, and they just did not, did not do anything. You so, know, some, sometimes I'm wondering, in, in reference to the, to the rap, is, is any of it, I mean, because, we had the one time where he said a couple things that he shouldn't have said. I wonder how scripted that rap is now. Is it something that he has to kind of clear exactly what he's going to say to, to you know, is it a spontaneous rap that you, you kind of think about that because I just knew he was going to go for the jugular and it was light. Like you said, it was very light. It was like, oh, okay. he didn't talk about either of his opponents really. Like that's, nope. that's my, that's my point. It's like, you could have gone after anything, and like they both work for WWE and didn't and don't anymore. That there's yep. something, yeah. But they, he didn't touch it. So that, regardless, though, regardless, the acclaimed 
were the second biggest thing on this show next to CM Punk. Man. I, these, I, you know. Mm, these guys were over as fuck. Swerving your, swerve, sorry, swerving our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland, no problem switching to, to, mm-hmm. to heel. Keith mm-hmm. Lee was doing things that I've never seen Keith Lee do because I've never seen Keith Lee as a heel. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I loved it. I loved this match. I thought this was a fantastic tag team title match. Uh, just some uh, spots in particular. Uh, Swerve Strickland giving uh, Max Caster a Death Valley driver on the apron, uh, which Ooh, I believe yes. subsequently ended up helping them win the match. But, um, but God, just this match was way better than it had any right to be. Like, I right. like both teams, but if you, I feel like we witnessed the double turn. That, if that wasn't a double turn, that's what it felt like. When you, when you see the crowd, uh, scissor me daddy in the crowd and like the crowd was so with it and it felt like any classic double turn we've ever seen to the point where there are a lot of people saying maybe an audible should have been called. You know, in this match, right. maybe an audible should have been called. But once we get to the press conference, <laughs> like they got a chance to touch on that in a very interesting way. But, yeah, this match, I'm trying to think, was this my favorite match of the night? It may have been just I mean, cause I think the shock value of it made it this great. Like I, I had no idea I would get this much enjoyment out of this match. And, right. you know, that, that put it way higher than it ever should have been. Right. I agree with you 100%. Like, I I knew they claimed were over. But, yep. like, and I knew that they were, they were building. But this crowd treated them like they were, like Jesus Christ came down from the heavens and was ready to perform in a tag team match. <laughs> and, and the sale job. Yes. Oh, the sale job on, on, on the knee. What was it, Caster? Matt, or yes. no, it was... Yeah, uh, Bowens, Bowens. Yeah, Bowens. Bowens. Just, the, I mean, he sold the knee, and it was just, he made you feel bad for him, and they just got, man, it was better than it had any right to be. It was really a fantastic match. Um, the, the spots that stood out, one of the spots that stood out to me is they did the uh, mic drop, but while draping him on the apron. Yes. Uh, that looked great. That They also had that, they did that, and it they used it also to, have uh, Bowens go down and sell the knee again, and, and they played it off like Caster ran into him as well. So this stuff was great. Billy Gunn was fantastic in this as well. Um, his face face off with Keith Lee was was great. Uh, Swerve Strickland uh, again, like I said, I feel like this tag team is one heel, one baby face. I feel yes. like Keith Lee likes Swerve Strickland, but they're just but like at the end of the match, so, so Swerve in your Swerve in our glory ultimately won this match, booed out of the building. Yep. <laughs> and, and like the, the, this team, like I said, this, they did not want them to win. And Strickland uh, and Keith Lee were standing in the ring with the other two. Afterwards, Billy Gunn joined them and uh, Swerve go, goes for the, the scissor me. Yeah, uh, he goes for the scissor. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Keith Lee goes for the, swing, the, the scissor. And it was accepted. <laughs> it, was, it was accepted. Swerve did not look happy about it, though. Kind of like. You know, fuck these guys. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Just whooped their ass. This match went 22 minutes, uh, 30 seconds. It was fantastic. And Whole time. It, it 
earned it. Like it yeah. earned its time from like, and it was so well done. Like it, it's, it was so many spots in it where where they're drawing sympathy, and even they still kind of have the thing with Swerve and Keith Lee. Will they or won't they? It, in all their matches, it seems to be this thing of almost a miscommunication, and you're always kind of waiting on it. And you look at the end of the match, and you look at the whole uh, scissor acceptance, which I never thought I'd say that in life, but we see the <laughs> acceptance of the scissor, and then you fast forward to the press conference, and it really goes off the rails. But we'll get there. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, Tony Storm. Dr. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Hikaru Shida. Fatal four-way match for the interim AEW Women's World Championship. This match went 14-20. It was just kind of there for me. Like, these are four really great women. I don't know if it was different for you and what your experience was with this match, but, like, this match just kind of never felt like it took off. It didn't. And and I I think, like, the, the interim gimmick for me is starting to run uh, short. I mean, it's, it's happening too many times of we, we crown an interim champion and then you got the person that was really the champion comes back to, to, to pay it off. And it's, and I think the more that they're doing this type of match is making us invest in it less because it's not really getting the, the proper uh, space to breathe. I think Britt Baker is over as she's been, but I think she's, like she she's in a boat with no rudder. Like she doesn't have a direction. And right. it's like, do we like her? Do we not like her? Is it you know, she she doesn't she needs something. And for her not to win this, and of course they they, they did tease the, 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 the her uh uh having an issue with Jamie Hayter. And I thought that that was going to up, you know, being being the finish of it. That would have at least uh, propelled the storytelling a little bit, but I just feel like Britt Baker is lost. Uh, you know, Jamie Hayter is Jamie Hayter. Uh, Akaru Shida, you know, we enjoyed her. I mean, even Tony Storm. I mean, she won the match, but it it wasn't a big feeling of finally Tony Storm has fought all this time and now she has the belt. It just it's it's anticlimactic and that's what it felt like at the end of it. And I didn't care about anybody any more than I did before the match started, which is never a good thing. No, absolutely. And and I and I'm with you on that. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, I feel like was the right choice here because this title did not has not had that feeling of importance that I feel like it had when she was the champion. And I, it's no knock on Thunder Rosa. I think that Thunder Rosa is a fantastic wrestler, but like, it's just the way the booking has been like th- this company starts and stops with this women's division constantly. And right now I feel like it would make more sense to have Jade Cargill as the champion, mm-hmm. a double champion. Why, why not? <laughs> like why? Not? I mean, that would get it. That would get it the time it deserves. It's just some people when they're not in the championship picture, either as champion or challenger, they get lost. And, and I really think that with Britt Baker, that's what we're looking at. Because you think about her story arc from AEW coming out as a white meat baby face and slowly making that turn and then having the belt and having the long run with it. But as soon as you take it off her, what's next? So it's, it's now a struggle to try to give her something that is going to make it meaningful and make somebody feel something. Because we watched this whole match, and I don't think either one of us felt anything. Like, if, if it didn't happen, I'd have been okay with it. 
Give Hobbs. Give Hobbs the time that this match got and maybe we've got something different. Like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh up next, Christian Cage, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, as he was as he's now known as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Um This match didn't happen. Uh, it did not. It uh we had Christian come out, you obviously had the arm brace on. He was injured, it has been reported he was injured going into the pay per view. They had Jack Perry come out, make the big entrance, then almost signal like he was looking for Luchasaurus to come out and follow him. And instead, Luchasaurus came out the other tunnel and choke slammed him off the stage and then dragged him to the ring. And, and the, the way he choke slammed him onto this. Oh, the, oh the, his yeah. back. His back. That told, that told the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that told the story. When you see his back, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. The story that, was unfortunately not over because then. Then he took him to ringside, put him through a table right in front of his mother and sister. His mother getting a good slap on Christian Cage as it went yeah. by. So there was that. Um, and then uh, Luchasaurus threw him into the ring. He was speared. One, two, kick out. Big hope spot. Everyone thought it was going to happen. <laughs> and then Christian hit him with the kill switch. And yeah. uh, that was it. 20 seconds this match was. <sighs> We're obviously yeah. not ready for Christian and Jungle Boy Jack Perry yet, but right. given given Christian's injury, but I uh, I, I I could go for uh, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus at the next pay per view. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, you could do I, it sooner. You could it, the next pay per view is not till November. You could do it before then. I'm One of your many theme dynamite. Mm-hmm. I'm very confused about. Where we're going with this, because when you because when you think about it, initially, it was a shock to see uh, uh, to, to, to see Luchasaurus turn on Jungle Boy initially. And now you're like, man, what what what's happened? Like he's it, he was sad when he turned on him. And then you, you got you got Luchas, I mean, you, you got Jungle Boy out for a couple weeks and then finally he comes back and now they're back together. And then it brings like I'm I'm confused on what the story is being told here. Like because to me this was a this was a blood feud. That's what it seemed like. And even the fact that Christian has a legit injury is that why they are back and forth with Luchasaurus, whether he's with Christian or not. Why he was with Christian or not? Because none of that has ever been fleshed out. I have no idea. So it's just like what. What are we watching? Is that impeding your investment in what we're seeing? What do you think? I, I think there was always signs that Luchasaurus hadn't turned back into the good side once he left Christian's side. Mm-hmm. Um, but and again, like I, I, I obviously I wanted to see this match, but like it wasn't going to happen. I, I kind of feel like if that wasn't going to happen though, and you knew that a few weeks out, you should have pulled Christian out and put Luchasaurus in, and at least given us a match, right? And, yeah, at least and, something. But but I guess they feel like while Christian's healing up, they could probably run this program and, and have it go. I mean, like I said, Tony Khan does a theme dynamite every two weeks. So yep. they could call it Welcome to the Jungle. They yep. could call it. I'm sure he'll buy. Well, uh, I'm sure he'll contact Guns N' Roses. He contacted the Rolling Stones. Yes, he for did. Music. Like he used the Rolling Stones. That probably cost like $90 million. <laughs> For, for, six, for, for not even not even the whole song. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. we're gonna get past this one. That was that was what it was. Uh, Chris Jericho 
a one on a Lionheart Chris Jericho back with yes. his white zombie music. Um uh up against Brian Danielson in a match that went about twenty four minutes. And this was I, I thought for two guys who are again, Jericho's fifty. Danielson is is near near his forties, if not in his forties. Mm-hmm. Like this was like this was like two young guys at going at it. There was it, no it, no bad spots in this match. It, it was almost I I did feel like it, at one point it became a triple threat match between uh, uh you know uh, Brian Danielson, the Lionheart, and the Lionheart's pants. <laughs> yes. Just, yeah, they're falling, and then, then I'm like, man, he's really trying to adjust. Like every move, he's like, I gotta adjust these pants. I'm gonna lose them. But man, this match was so smartly wrestled. And and when you look at the contrast of what we've seen before, some of the car crashes and some of the blood feuds, to see two guys get in here and just have a classic. Matt on Matt match, like really just transitions. And yeah, I feel like a lot of times AEW gives you all of the different options within a pay-per-view. And this one, this one gave us a good look at another option that they do well, which when it's time to wrestle and look at the bell to bell, they got that too. And even looking at the fact that Daniel Garcia wasn't out there because uh, from a storytelling perspective, I know going into it, I said, well, the finish is not going to be until Daniel Garcia comes out and costs somebody the match. I'm so glad I was wrong. Yes, I, I agree with you on that because we didn't need it. The story can continue without it. Jericho technically won with a low blow and the Judas effect. So yep. while he wrestled this great 24-minute match, he won by nefarious means. Yep. So... He- so Daniel Garcia, and he they cut to Daniel Garcia, who looked disappointed. So now Garcia goes into his title match on Wednesday, which I feel like he's winning. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I like Wheeler Yuta, but Garcia's where the story's at right now. Yep. So so that, that title should be over with him. And honestly, he's he's a phenomenal wrestler. Yeah, so, especially to be so so young. I mean, I am I, so optimistic about where the industry's going. When you look at some of the top talents we got that are in there, 23, 24, 25, like, man, we got a lot of good wrestling coming up. And this was a great example of two veterans, two veterans getting in the ring and telling a story. And they told it from beginning to end. And my favorite is when <laughs> Brian Danielson said, now I'm going to kick his fucking head in. And yes. that is exactly what he proceeded to do. I loved it. <laughs> it's, this match was great. Uh, Jericho, like I said, went over. Uh, the, uh, the Appreciation Society came down to celebrate with him. Uh, Sans Garcia, uh, obviously. Uh, there, and like I said, uh, this led to a backstage promo later in the evening where Jericho told Garcia that uh, they weren't going to be out there when he was in his match on Wednesday. And Garcia yeah. uh, immediately became a six-year-old boy and went, what? <laughs> I need you, though. Yes, you're right. I need you. Uh, which I don't feel like really helped Garcia, but whatever. Like, it's it's wrestling. Yeah, and, 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 and taking what, what, what Jericho said, because he did keep saying, you're going to win. So I'm with that now I'm thinking, is he going to win because you're going to help him win? Like, like he said it at least three times. You're going to win. So now that's another wrinkle going into it that, you know, they, they 
another veteran adding something to a match that now we got something to look forward to. Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro, the unlikely uh, trip uh, trio, against the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews. They were accompanied by the ring by Julia Hart. Uh, this entrance was great for the House of Black, although it looks like it may be the last time we see the House of Black. Boy, is that a is is that I'm man? <laughs> is his contract up already? I just man, I was so I love the entrance. I loved it like. I think that they have such first class incredible production when it comes to shooting vignettes like they shoot. And even right. the ones that they shoot with Miro, like they are so good and it pays off people that listen. And and AEW is really good about rewarding those that pay attention. And when you look at this match, there were several examples of that reward you know so yeah this i loved it man it was fantastic a lot of fun in this match uh malachi black actually has he has asked for his release um and uh it, it, after the match was over he bowed to the crowd blew a kiss and uh and they all hugged so uh, i'm not sure what that's all about but um Regardless, Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro went over. Miro uh, disappeared at one point and just didn't come back for the, the victory. Uh, I guess keeping him uh, still kind of estranged from the Sting mm-hmm. and Darby mm-hmm. Allen. Yeah. Uh, I, I, which I don't feel like he needed to do. I feel like Miro's total total babyface right now. Yeah. And, and I thought that I was wondering, you know, why. Like, like, I know that they've had their issues, but, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's kind of what they had going into this match. So to to see, like, even the, the, the spot as far as tagging, like, Miro didn't want to tag him, which they didn't they shoot a vignette together. <laughs> like, did they not discuss any of that during the vignette? It's like, yeah. Miro's, yeah, no, I'm not tagging him. <laughs> like, you're going to have to tag. It's like that piece to me felt disconjointed for what's happened because the, the House of Black has been kicking all y'all's asses. And so to get in there, and Miro did start, hell, he tried to fight everybody, and he didn't want to tag, which sometimes with AEW, I wonder, are there pieces that we don't get to see? Like, maybe it's something that was paid off on being a leader, something like that, which may explain what happened, but if you're not watching all the shoulder content, you're watching it like me. Like, why is Miro not wanting to tag the people he just shot a vignette with? There was no being the elite this week. No, uh, <laughs> there, there was, there was that the footage they had they couldn't use. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I, I loved the creative finish to this match. I loved it. I, you know, I always get a kick out of Sting, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, like, like Sting gets a chance to take advantage of certain veteran things, like the no sale. Sting is famous for no selling a few spots in the match and just coming back. But the way that they did the Sting spitting a mist in a into um you know uh, uh Malachi Black's face was so perfectly done and smart. I I, I loved it. I, I did. I loved it. I uh, I have to I have to trail back before we hit the main event because mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like we we actually just, uh, told anybody who won the women's world title match. Uh, Tony oh. Storm, Tony Storm, 
I picked up the victory after hitting two DDTs, one on Britt Baker and the other on Jamie Hayter. Um, and there was that. So she won that match. That was two matches ago. So sorry, guys. That did happen. <laughs> that definitely happened. <laughs> but now, we won't forget who won this match. Uh, CM Punk up against John Moxley. These guys went just under 20 minutes. Uh, this was a match where Moxley had control for, you know, a, a big portion of the middle of this match. But Punk came out and basically, you know, uh, gave him the GTS almost immediately. Yep. And... Looked like they were doing the repeat finish from Dynamite a few weeks ago, just reversed. Yep. And uh, it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. Moxley fought out. Uh, ended up busting up Punk uh, pretty bad. He was he was he was bleeding all over the place. Uh, ironically enough, and I and I you know I almost wish Kyle was here to hear me say this because I always bust on uh, John Moxley for bleeding in every match. He did not bleed. <laughs> he did not bleed in this match. This would have been the match to do it though. You'd think that this would have been the one where you pull out the razor blade and you go ah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this wasn't the one for Moxley. Yeah, Punk did all the bleeding in this. Especially um, in the white pants. He pulled yes. the white pants out for the occasion. <laughs> yes, he did. In bled um, buckets. He, that, that he did. Um, eventually, CM Punk was able to uh, to power through and pick up the victory after hitting a G. Was it one or two GTSs? Um, I think it was two. Yeah, yeah, it was two. Because he hit one of them and he got up and, and, and he hit one more. Yeah, so it was two. It, so, uh, that was the match. Uh, Punk goes over in Chicago. The crowd goes wild. And then the lights go out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. we go onto the screen and we hear Tony Khan's voice. He's talking to someone. And he's immediately making this, this angle no longer a uh, possible shoot. Uh, it is now fully an angle. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he, he talks about how he's going to... He, he needs him to come back at all out for the fans. He doesn't know he doesn't give a shit about the fans, but he does. So they'll pay him X amount of dollars because they bleep that out. Won't have to sign an extension. Um, and uh, he'll put him in the all. He'll put him in the casino battle or sorry, the casino ladder match. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, have the character who won the ladder match earlier show up on the screen. We cut out to CM Punk doing his promo in Ring of Honor, talking about how. The greatest trick the devil ever committed was, or played on uh, society, was convincing the world he didn't exist. Oh, boy, yes. <laughs> and yes. then it is, re- it is revealed that the devil in question is MJF, who comes out to an enormous reaction. Chicago loves MJF, and this is Punk's town. Uh, he looks at Punk. They exchange a glance. He says he's coming for the title. And uh, then he flips off the crowd. And that's that. I, 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 so there was even a moment, like, before he, took, before he took the mask off, he put on the, what, what is it, a scarf he wears? Yes. He puts on the, the Burberry scarf. And it's just like at that point, you know who it is. Give us what we know. And then they gave us what we know. And it was so glorious. It was, it's one of those, when I tell you, the movie theater erupted at one o'clock in the morning when he put that scarf on and that music hit, like it erupted. And that was a cool thing about watching it in that setting to get to see the gauge on what other people thought. And that we 
lot we went ape shit right there. It was so well done. So well done. Bravo to them. And then of course we had to overshadow it soon after. <laughs> so I mean like I before we get into the pr- press conference and all the shenanigans that happened afterwards, uh, what will you give this this pay-per-view uh, out of a score of 5? Man, I, I I will tell you, I this one is going to get a 5 for me. Although, you know, the there were different, you know, the, some of the matches, you know, we, 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 we were at odds about some of the stuff we saw. But, man, this pay-per-view, from an enjoyment standpoint, I enjoyed this pay-per-view from beginning to end. And when it went off, I wanted more because they did such a good job of setting up what's next. And by what's next, I mean the press conference. Uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a four. I, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the women's match and uh, just there were some spots where I just didn't feel like uh, as enthused as I did in others. And um, but I think a four is a fair upgrade for this pay per view. I, I enjoyed the majority of it. However, the the next part is this is an uncomfortable conversation. So the press conference comes along and CM Punk sits down and proceeds to just go into why he's not friends with Colt Cabana and. Uh, some questionable behavior. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, firstly, Ooh. did you see this press conference? Yes, I did. It was it was a train wreck. It was must see TV. Oh my god! Like it was. A, I was confused about the way it started because I'm I'm fast forwarding because because you know they they had it on the site, but it was just the it hadn't started. So I keep on moving, moving, and then when it finally came up. He was already going off about it. So oh, he we, just he, he he didn't let anyone ask him really a question. Right, he no, started. he did. He went right into it. So it felt like we didn't see something, but he went right into it, and it was uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to watch Tony Khan sit there and apologize. And I just I I have never seen. Anything like it, and it's it's one of those things that when when we talk about a work sport like pro wrestling, having a press conference after like this, I feel like is going to happen more and more often because that line is getting blurred, and this entire thing was a train wreck. But we can roll through it from beginning to end. But it was all a train wreck, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, he discussed his history with Cole Cabana, including taking mm-hmm. shots at him, uh, sharing a bank account with his mother, uh, basically stating that he's paid for this man for far. He said at the end of the, his segment at the press conference that there's two men who made the most money off of CM Punk. And the first one is Vince McMahon, and the second one is Scott Coleman. Mm. Uh, yes, he did. And, and again, this is laundry that's being aired that I don't think anyone really asked for. These accusations against Punk I don't feel like are fair. And don't get me wrong, I can understand how someone wants to defend themselves in these uh, situations. But he came across like quite an asshole. Uh, yeah. However, going into the next parts, uh, go, then going after Hangman Page for going into business for himself on an episode of Dynamite during a promo uh, which he then said that he lowered himself to respond to that in the same fashion, uh, which I just kind of feel like was a, a cop-out. Uh, then he went after Kenny Omega and the Bucks, uh, basically accusing them of planting this story about 
Colt Cabana losing his job or being moved to Ring of Honor because of CM Punk uh, on the sheets. Now, listen, I'm not saying that CM Punk is right by doing that, but I feel like in pro wrestling, um, we have to realize that like there are wrestlers out there who do talk to these guys, these Meltzers, Alvarez's, and whatever. And we know Absolutely. That, we know that the Bucks and Omega do it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and and I'm not I'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything. This is I understand this is pro wrestling and and you know everyone wants to stay in kayfabe or at least most of the time. But I love the Bucks and I love Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is a hometown hero for me. Mm-hmm. But the, the, to to suggest to me that these guys don't talk to the sheets, I think is ridiculous. Now, do they deserve to be gone gone after in this aspect? No, Punk didn't name them though. So like and, and not to say that like. He he did make reference to where they're from, so like, um, it, it it wasn't good, and I'll say that CM Punk definitely came across ridiculous in this, and uh, it was a bad look for him, and it was a bad look for Tony Khan who sat there and did nothing. You're the boss. You're and the that's, boss. That's what that that's the point that that I I am going to to make like in reference to it. You know, for 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 better or worse, um. I don't know if this shit would have happened if Vince was the one sitting there, but <laughs> Vince in in so many ways almost ruled with an iron fist. Like, you know, for all of his proclivities and all of the stuff that he did, like people had a certain amount of respect for Vince always, you know, and to see Tony Khan sitting there, it's, it, there's a, a subservience that, when you're interrupting, like CM Punk is saying something, Tony Khan is trying to to, to apologize. CM Punk is, for lack of a better word, telling them to be quiet. You know, like it was so uncomfortable, and and the like the stuff that happened. I think depending on how far you are into the wrestling bubble, I had no idea about any of this. The Scott Colton stuff, like. I know that that happened, but I didn't know as of late that there were people talking about that. Like I, I, I heard when he was sent to Ring of Honor, which I, I thought that made sense. I mean, he 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 was odd in the in the the the, the what is it the the order the dark, the dark order. He was odd in there anyway. He was an odd fit. It didn't work. He was off TV. So once they got Ring of Honor, I'm like, okay, that's a perfect fit. But. I didn't know that people were saying that this is why he went. So depending on where you come into it, once you get into this, 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 uh, uh, media scrum, you're confused because it started with such hostility and Brian Alvarez being pointed out and, and, and Meltzer being pointed out <laughs> and journalistic integrity being pointed out. He went after Nick Hospin pretty good at the beginning. And yeah. what, I will say, for anyone who wants to watch this, they should watch oh, yeah. not not the AEW version of this, but watch the Denise, what's her name, Denise Scalano or whatever. Uh, her, mm-hmm. her her channel posted it on YouTube as well. You get to hear what the, the, the journalists are, are asking him and their responses to his, his statements. So it adds context that I feel like is needed before you fully go after this. And I... Yep. I know Kyle's going to have a lot to say about this tomorrow night on Wednesday Night Wallop, so I'm going to try and make sure he sees both versions. Not to say that I think it's going to change anything, because, like I said, I think that CM Punk acted like an asshole. Mm-hmm. And but, 
But I also feel like if he felt like he had to defend himself against accusations that weren't true, who's to say that he's, you know, like, it, I, I can't say that I would have acted any different if, if I had to do this. So so we we as wrestling fans, we think everything's a work. There are people right now that are still trying to convince us that the Montreal screw job was a work. Like that is still an active uh uh conversation people are having to this very day. So we always have a tinge of is this a work to it? I think what ends up uh uh helping you come to a conclusion either way is is this going to be used to draw money um if 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 there because there was an altercation which once i once i heard what he was what what cm punk was saying like there's no way that that you say this and then you see that person and it's not an altercation so like that there was I was not the least bit surprised when they said that a fight happened because when I was listening to it, I'm like, Oh, somebody going to fight. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, the, if you look at different era shots of the press conference, uh, you can see security run out of the uh, press conference and, and have to apparently go deal with this. Apparently punk was approached by the bucks and Omega in his locker room. They were obviously pissed. And, and according to a report threatened to leave um, AEW over this, um, and then this, this Sean Ross set up uh, at Fightful. He reported that uh, Punk's trainer Ace Steel was involved in pulling and biting Omega. Um, he bit him. He bit, he bit Omega. Uh, who, which I mean, fired. You're, you're fired. <laughs> like that's you're 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 an agent. You're you're fired. So, uh, Punk, but I, I, and Punk apparently threw punches at Matt Jackson. A chair was thrown at Nick Jackson. Um, and you know they had it took quite a few people to break these guys up. Um, this is uh, this is th- I mean like and, and and when I first read all this I'm like oh this is a work this is a work mm-hmm. this is a work. Yep. I just I, I had to sit on this one for a whole day and mm-hmm. obviously it's not a work, but because it, it's, it's hard because I'm like that's CM Punk's like one of my guys right so like yeah. it's hard to think about him in this light and don't get me wrong like I I I'll call a spade a spade you know but like. This was unlike anything I've ever heard. Like this, this whole scene sounded like chaos. And the fact that Tony Khan didn't even know about it until after the press conference, which went an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So like this guy was 20, 22, I think 22 minutes with CM Punk. And then this all happened in that timeline. Yep. And, and so, so, so like, like, like you're saying about, uh, uh, uh him getting fired, uh, uh, CM Punk's, what, what was he? CM Punk's trainer. Yeah. Ace Steel. Ace Steel. So l- looking at that piece of it, is there a way to fire Ace Steel without pissing off CM Punk? I don't think absolutely it is. not. But but I-, I think at this point, Punk needs to be suspended too. And I think, but that to that point, I also think that Omega and the Bucks do as well. Like but this is this is yeah. one of those things where um, somebody's somebody's got to be right, <laughs> and every everybody has a certain amount of wrong uh, w- within this within this bubble. Um, you can't punish CM Punk or you can't punish anybody without punishing everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody because us as wrestling fans that can't wait for Dynamite to come on to see what the fallout is, something that has nothing to do with the product at large. Because what we're talking about now is booking. And a booking conversation is not the same thing as a wrestling conversation. When when we get to the place where we're saying, 
uh, within the confines of what this is, you were picked to win and I was picked to lose. Like that's a booking conversation. And once we start putting that on front street and now, which of course that's one of the things that happened once we get around the Swerve Scott, that it's changing the narrative of what the conversation is about. So with all the, it's you, you can't, you cannot be half pregnant. Like either you have to get everybody or you have to get nobody. I just think that it's so much stuff about Tony Khan that there's always been so much Booker of the Year. Tony Khan has given us the wrestling product and thank you so much for giving us an alternative. But we also got to look at why Vince McMahon did things the way he did it for so long because he wasn't going to sit there and have somebody do it. This was embarrassing for Tony Khan. Like this went off the rails in every sense of the word, and they disrespected him, all of them, everybody that was up there at some point or another disrespected Tony Khan. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I, I have breaking news. Uh, uh -oh. CM Punk, Ace Steel, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega have all been suspended. Uh, this is being reported uh, by uh, WrestlingNews.com. Uh, I don't know how reliable of a source that is, but there are. I, I'll check Twitter right now as we're talking. But uh, wow. yeah, it would appear that uh, everyone is uh, everyone is is getting uh, suspended for this. So that leaves Dynamite very interesting this week. You don't have your champion. You don't have your trios champions. Yeah, your brand new trios champions. Yeah, but, yeah. you know the fiftieth bill on TV, and now they can't even. Wow. I, you know, it's, it's, it, it is really one of those things when you're looking at how all of this is unfolding. Man, it, it is hard to continue to respect Tony Khan. And it's it's going to get worse. And if you looked at the way he pushed back, did, did you hear what Tony Khan said toward the end of the press conference about having more money than the competition? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, like that, that, that was, I did want to touch on that. So mm -hmm. Tony Khan also turned into a, a rich billionaire asshole yep. and started talking about how he's Jim Crockett, uh, and, but he's got more money than Jim Crockett. He's not going to take this shit. I'm not going to take this shit, he says, for, for the fact that WWE booked shows the same weekend. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, um, the, the show was, or sorry, the, uh, World's Collide show was not planned till a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, that them putting that on this this uh day uh, whether that the, that was competition or not um i don't think they aired at the same time number 1 mm -hmm. uh maybe maybe a little bit bleeding into it but number 2 uh if he thinks that NXT is still competition for him and not even like a pay-per-view this was a network special mm -hmm. this was this was whatever you know this wasn't this wasn't all out if you think that that is competition for you at this point, then you really need to check yourself because you, you, you took those guys down already. You know what? At the same time though, and this is, this is a, a separate sidebar, but did you see the, the press conference that Triple H did? Yeah, it was boring. It was it, not a good time. It, it was, but this is, this is my point. Triple H once said that AE, I mean, uh, uh, NXT was the third brand. 
Like, there's no developmental, it's the third brand. And now for him to come out on that press conference and say, well, congratulations, you beat our developmental. What story are we telling? Like, like at some point, we got to figure out what NXT is. We can't keep moving the line. We can't right. keep moving the line as we're trying to establish it. Either it's competition or it's not. And oh, the same I, with Tony Khan. It, I, it I, is or it ain't. Absolutely. And to, but I think Tony Khan will, will admit to that being competition. But to, to whine about this show, I just feel like, I mean, sure, like Clash of, Clash of the Castle has been planned for months. So they knew that this was happening. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, but to that point, it was also on a different day. So it yeah. wasn't like it was the same day. Like, relax. You, you really don't have to worry about it that much. Like, it, you, you did just fine. So what? The show didn't do as, as good as last year's. Last year's was the return of CM Punk. You yeah. had to expect that some of the luster was going to wear off on that after a while. And he's like, especially now, we got some, some luster to wear off. So like, uh, apparently Sean Ross, Sean Ross Sapp is reporting that none of these suspensions are for sure yet. He hasn't received no info yet. Uh, he just tweeted two hours ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, there are so many rampant rumors about what is happening. It's getting impossible to verify. Yep. Um, AEW isn't talking. Tony Khan, Punk, Bucks, Omega, A Steel aren't. A lot of the conjuncture, uh, and ex- a lot of conjuncture and expectations. Um. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh. This is something that like uh, I'm, I'm just trying to see if there's any other. Uh, confirmation on this but it doesn't look like it so 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 far sorry about the breaking news alert but uh it doesn't look like it's it's 100 percent if if uh, at all confirmed yet um so we won't we won't report that but either way um who do you think is in the right who do you think is in the wrong do you feel like it, it's right to suspend everybody because i feel like i'm going to get a different answer tomorrow yeah um so it this is my i just don't mean to interrupt you but this is my yeah, thing with the bucks and omega Mm-hmm. is their EVPs. So they should be held to the highest standard, but so should Punk. Punk's, mm-hmm. Punk's the top babyface in the company. He's your top guy. He should be held to that same standard. These guys should not be doing this. this well, but once, once once you're trying to figure out, because cause I, I had to go back today and watch the promo that, that him and Adam Page did in the ring, you know, prior to the match. And to see what it was that he was going into business, you know, for himself and watching it. And it was, it was uncomfortable to see what was when, when he gets to the whole, I'm, I'm defending AEW from you. This is the thing. Once CM Punk came back, we know who CM Punk is. CM Punk is consistent as the day is long. CM Punk has always been this same person. So you got so many people like, well, we don't like happy punk. Like, like, where is the guy with the chip on his shoulder? It's like, you got to realize, is this what you really want? Because CM Punk is an asshole in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. But some of that's what makes him as good as he is, because he is an asshole. And he does have a lofty expectation for what he thinks pro wrestling should be. What's good, what's not good. Like, he has that. So, to go into this and just watch everything unfold just from beginning to end, from, from the time he came in AEW and he, you know, every now and then he would mention the names that he wanted to work with. Like it was so much stuff. Everybody was waiting to get to the moment when the, the honeymoon was over 
And now we can really uh, uh, judge it based off that. And I would say the honeymoon's over and the bloom is off the rose. And the sad part is, as entertaining as this is, is it making the product better? That's that's the biggest thing is I think that this with already, you know, rumors spreading that the locker room is the is is, you know, in out of sorts. You mm-hmm. don't need this kind of stuff. And I blame Punk for that. I blame Punk for, for start. Like he, he, I, I'm not going to do this. Oh, you started it. You started it. Bullshit. But like you, not the way you go about dealing with this for a guy who says, if you have a problem with me, come tell me, go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do it in a press conference. That's my point. Uh, but to that point, what happened? What, what happened with the, the altercation? Like we, we weren't there. So I'm not going to sit here and, and go, well, this guy started it by reporting this guy who also wasn't there, but he knows right. the guy who was there and, and, and whatever. Like I, I we're not going to do that. And, and who knows where these reports are coming from? Maybe, like I said, some of these guys talk. <laughs> so like, um, apparently there was a point in the press conference where Jericho did lean over to, to, to Tony Khan and went, uh, shit happened. Yeah, <laughs> somebody pointed that out today, and uh, I I didn't know how shit wasn't going to happen. Like I said, once I'm listening to what CM Punk is saying, and we get to the place where he's like, you know, these fucking guys act like they're in Reseda. I know who you're talking about right there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was, at that point, I'm like, come on. I know what's coming to that. Like, it's it, it would be hard to do that and not run into somebody. So when we're trying to figure out whether it's a work or not, like that right there, that was a blatant shot. But it was also a shot for something that, that Adam Page did and just so much stuff. We expect better punk, but this is punk. Like, this isn't a new punk. This is the way punk has always been. Right. Punk was the same guy that, said, why the hell are we bringing The Rock back, you know, to to, to main event the pay-per-view when it should be me. And then CM Punk went to the UFC and main event of the pay-per-view before he knew how to fight. (laughs) So it's the same. The traits are still the same. It's the same guy. We feel differently about him, but it's the same thing. And I think the systemic thing that we're running into, and that's what I'm saying, we're getting to the place where we're talking about booking, and that's a Vince Russo thing. Like, like if you look at, do you remember what happened with with when uh, Tony Khan was talking to to Swerve Scott and Keith Lee? And and did did you see that part of it? I did not. So okay, let me tell you, this is when I say we're talking about booking. The the thing, so they were talking about how good that match was at the pay-per-view and just saying that, that, that the acclaim, you know, they, they people were saying that they, they should have went a different way. So at the end of them saying, saying, saying that, Tony Khan said, well, I'm thinking we have this show coming up in New York, Battle of the Belts. I think it, no, it's not, is it Battle of the Belts, the one that they did uh, last year where it was Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan? in the tennis stadium. So that's coming up. So the, what Tony Khan said was he's thinking he wants to run the match back to which Swerve said, bullshit. Why would we run it back? We beat him. So once he says that now, Tony Khan is like, well, the thing is we, the fans enjoyed the match to which Swerve is like, you know, I don't care who enjoyed it. We beat him. Why should we fight him again? So, when I say we're talking about booking, that's what that conversation is. Once you start putting that on TV, 
Now we're back to Vince Russo trying to swerve each other. So that that was shocking to me because by the end of the conference, they left mad at Tony Khan about saying that the acclaim, uh, they're going to run the match back. And it's like once we start giving them this much ammunition to use however we want to, we're not having a, a pro wrestling conversation anymore. We're in a booking meeting. Well, Jack, I, I want to say uh, we, we've gone through pretty much everything that is to talk about when it comes to All Out and the altercation, the uh, the, the press conference that, that really overshadowed the end of this pay-per-view. I feel bad for MJF, but also I kind of feel like <laughs> I kind of feel like yep. he kind of deserves it after the whole Wardlow thing. So. Yep, exactly. It, it just came right back around. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nobody's talking about MJF, and that should be big, big news. All overshadowed. Jack, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there anything you want to shout out uh, social media-wise uh, before we get out of here? You know, Chef Jack London at Facebook. That's it. Continue watching and listening to the Wednesday Night Wallop. These guys do great work. And, man, I'm a fan, and I appreciate every time I get to get on and talk wrestling with you, buddy. Yeah, you had a good week this week. Uh, last week's uh, Dino, or sorry, last week's Wallop and and uh, our our coverage of All Out. So good, good week for you and a uh, good week for us. Always love hearing from you, Jack. If you want yes, to, I'm uh, on cloud nine. I'm on cloud nine. Don't bring me down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I if you want to find any of our podcasts, you go to uh, uh, Spotify. Sorry, Deezer, Amazon Music. Uh, not on Apple yet. We're working on it, guys. Um, if you want to find us on social media at WN Wallop on Twitter, WN Wallop on Instagram, Wednesday Night Wallop on Facebook, if you just look for myself and my partner Kyle Joseph's name, that's how you'll know it's us. And uh, with all that being said, uh, for Jack London, I'm Ryland Turner, and you have been walloped. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.